from the betting capital of the world. Vegas, baby, Vegas! It's Wager Talk with Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels. It's Wednesday here in Sin City. Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels breaking it down for you here on Wager Talk. Thank you for watching on the Sports Grid TV network. Thanks to you. Thank you for watching. For those of you who are watching on the Zumo channel 719, thank you for all of you who are listening on the various podcast outlets that we have. We'll be here for the next hour with your Sports Central Four Betters. Let's get right into it. We like to start off what we call BBBBBB, bad beats, bad bets, bad for the books, hot topics. And right now on a Wednesday, Ralph, the hot topic, the MLB pennant races, and the number one story for me when it comes to MLB is the Chicago Cubs. Perennial contenders, they are crashing and burning down the stretch. Joe Madden's contract is up, and you're not going to tell me that the Cubs don't have top five talent to make the playoffs in the National League. But the Cubs right now in the midst of an ugly free fall. Anyone who's been fading Chicago has done very well over the last week here in MLB action. How many times do you have a team that was sitting at 82 and 68 and then lose back-to-back game to the Reds, four straight to the Cardinals, and then to Pittsburgh? A seven-game losing streak, just an incredible stretch. Uh, They were toe-to-toe with Milwaukee just a week and a half ago, and now it's basically all over but the fat lady singing. Yeah, and when you find a team like Chicago that is crashing and burning down the stretch, they're a one-way team for me for the final week of the regular season. We're getting involved in a Cubs game. It's not going to be back in the Cubs, and it's not going to be laying a big price with the Cubs. They're big favorites today uh, against the Pirates. And, I mean, for most of the season, we really look like we're going to have a great pennant race. You know, we had division battles. We had a wild card situation in both leagues. That was intense and fascinating. And instead, here we are, the final week of the regular season, and yeah, there's still some battling for who's going to have the overall home field advantage throughout the playoffs and in the two leagues between the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Astros. But the National League pennant race has flat out fizzled. <laughs> and in the American League, everyone except for these three teams are basically set. But we have three teams for two spots, the Indians, the Rays, and the A's. There is something of a pennant chase, of a playoff chase, and MLB, and it's those three teams. From from a betting standpoint, you have three teams looking for two spots in the AL wild card. How do betters make money off this, Ralph? Can they make money off this? Do we back the Indians, Rays, and A's every day? Do we fade them every day? Do we pick two of the three to make it and bet against the third? What's your take on Indians, Rays, and A's and how to play it over the final week of the season? Well, you look and, and all three teams are seven and three in their last 10 games. So they're doing what they have to do. And then when you break down the teams, Oakland, Cleveland and Tampa, besides Houston and the New York Yankees, those three teams have the best three home records. So it's going to even mean that much more to be the home team that gets the wild card. Now, as far as when to bet on this team? You know, I did look at my database, Teddy, and I and I found these numbers. In September, if you are playing a 200 favorite that lost the last game, coming off a loss, 
They have gone 56 and 8. So you are plus 38.1 units in, in 64 games. That's an incredible number. So perhaps the time to play these teams is when you're getting them off a loss. None of them have lost two in a row. And the record shows September teams off a loss if they're a 200 favorite has been money in the bank. Well, the Cubs are a September team off a loss, and they're $200 favorites today. We'll see how that works out. But we love the angle, Ralph. We'll do more uh, TNA trends and angles with Ralph later in this segment. But first, I want to do a little MLB overview here because, uh, I mean, we saw something last offseason that was fairly unique in that the biggest stars, they didn't sign. And it just went on and on. When's Machado going to get paid? When's Harper going to get paid? When's Machado going to get paid? When's Harper going to get paid? And it went on through the Cactus League, you know, and all the meetings over the winter, and then into January, and then into February, and then into spring training. Well, now at the end of the season, we see the Phillies didn't make the playoffs with Harper. The Padres stunk again with Machado. And those weren't the only two. I mean, you know, the Red Sox signed Uvalde, you know, resigned Uvalde. Oops. You know, McCutcheon to Philadelphia. Oops. Kimbrell to Chicago. Oops. Familia to the Mets. Oops. All the big free agent signings basically were either busts or their teams were busts. What does that mean moving forward, Ralph? And when we look at the future book for next year in MLB, when we look at how to approach this offseason for MLB, because the offseason is just a week away, uh, you know, or they, you know, for most of the teams, the offseason is just a week away. When we look at the failure of all the free agents last year, what do we think about the marketplace moving forward? Well, you know, we're seeing that the war numbers on these the team, the wins above replacement numbers, aren't that great. You know, I think Machado went to a situation, they were a year early anyway, but, you know, Philly's the team that jumps out to me that spent all the money. You know, baseball's a team game. You know, these, these, these power hitters, aren't going to change one power hitter added to your team. Isn't going to change your team into a winner after being a mediocre team. Uh, I think it's going to hurt the free agents moving to next year. Baseball is going to see what happened to those big paydays. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, when I look at the Phillies, I'm certainly going to point fingers at Bryce Harper because Bryce Harper was not great this season and he certainly wasn't worth the money they paid him. But if you're looking for why Philadelphia is in the postseason, you can look at that pitching staff, the starting rotation, the bullpen, wherever you want to look. There have been failures in Philadelphia, and that's why we're not talking about the team that made the biggest free agent splash as a playoff team down the stretch of the 2019 regular season. It's TNA time, trends and angles. Let's call it TNR TNA, Teddy and Ralph's trends and angles. And Ralph, you've got one for the NFL that our viewers really need to know before they make a bet in the NFL this weekend. Well, you know, it's been a decent play the last couple years, but home teams this year have been faltering road teams in the nfl this year 32 and 14 69 percent against the spread away favorites of three or more a perfect eight and oh against the spread we'll see if that continues sure and when we come back we're going to finish with this trend there's a lot more to talk about plus line movers coming up next right here on wager time Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It's Line Movers. 
Congress time here on Wager Talk. Petty Covers and Ralph Michaels breaking it down for you on a Wednesday. But Ralph, before we get into the line move, I want to go back to the trend that you were talking about right before the break. Because when you're talking about road teams in the NFL, doesn't matter. Favorite dog, just road teams hitting 70% so far this season. That stands out. The away favorites, 8-0 against the spread. Away favorites of three points or more. It's been road dominance, but this there's some parts of this that aren't new. Talking about non-division road teams, for one. What do you got, TNA, on those non-division road teams in the NFL? Yeah, non-division road teams, just looking at the situation where, you know, you would think they're at a disadvantage going to a setting they're not accustomed to, whereas a division foe visits the same stadium each year. Non-division foes since 2016 have gone 102, 88, and 10, 54% against the spread. So, you know, again, not overwhelming numbers, but we're just trying to give the better a small edge, looking at situations where perhaps it helps you tweak a play or be on a game or perhaps keep you off a game that you maybe shouldn't play. Well, let's talk about a couple of angles that are in play for week four. There's two that stand out to me, and they stand out to me because you did the research in your database. Winless away dogs, so teams that haven't won a game yet and are catching points on the road, and 3-0 and away favorites both stand out from a what's going on league-wide trend. T and R's TNA, what do we got for week four? Let me add one more into that because there's nothing to talk about, but I think people sometimes have the question anyway. So there's times I give a record that it's 49 or 50% because at least you know the answer to that question. There's only one game this week. It's Thursday night, a 3-0 ATS team against an 0-3 ATS team, the Packers against the Eagles. That basically has been a toss-up. There's no betting edge one way or the other in in over the last eight years so just so people know the answer but when you look at week three teams excuse me week four teams that are zero and three listen now they're on the road now they're away dogs this is one of those where you put a clothespin on your nose and you bet it it's the washington redskins and the cincinnati Bengals, teams that are zero and three straight up and are away dogs week four have gone 21 and 17, 75% against the spread. We know it's a league of parity. We know you're never as bad of a team as you looked last week if you lost. You're never as good as a team as if you won. Again, so the system completely makes sense to me. Winless away dogs in week four, 21 and seven against the spread. Now on the flip side, I did some numbers looking at three and O teams. How do they do week four? Well, 3-0 away favorites, this goes all the way back to 2003, so there aren't that many, have gone 12-4-1 against the spread. Those week four away favorites that are undefeated, New England and Kansas City playing Detroit. So the systems say, look at Washington and Cincinnati as ugly road dogs this week, and New England and KC as profitable Road favorites. There's our TNR TNA for a Wednesday. Let's talk line movers right now. And the goal is not just to give you the information about where the lines are moving. The concept here is 
Why are they moving? And will they keep moving? Do you make your bets now? Do you wait? Let's see what we can do with the bigger market moves over the last 24 to 48 hours. And let's start with Cleveland and Baltimore. The markets are crashing on the Browns right now. The Ravens up to minus seven in most spots. Cleveland, look, Baker Mayfield has looked real dicey the last couple of weeks. Every week, all three weeks this season. Ravens defense certainly aggressive, but when you start looking at some of those Baltimore defensive statistics, their pass defense, I know they played KC last week, wasn't good the week before either. What do you make of the money coming on Baltimore against Cleveland? Well, to me, the Browns are the value play of the week because let's look three weeks ago. The Browns were picked to win the division. The Browns had a better season win total. The Browns, this game was was a one-point line game. Now, three weeks later, it's seven. Well, in this instance, I think this line climbed on Monday because the injury report came out that Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams are both questionable. Remember, the Browns played without all four starting DBs against the Rams and played incredible in that role. Plus, they're without Christian Kirksey, their middle linebacker who makes the defensive calls. So... If I had the Browns healthy cornerbacks, I would be all over the Browns because they can cover the Ravens man-to-man. It gives an extra man to help Lamar Jackson to be able to watch him out of the pocket to be a spy. But without the cornerbacks, again, it's a game where I still think there's value on the Browns, but my money won't be on it. I can tell you why the money's come on this next one pretty easily. We've seen the Giants-Redskins total skyrocket. That's up 49, 49 and a half. It's a full three-point move off the opener. And it's still going up right now. When you look at the defensive stats for these two teams, they're not just bad. God-awful. Both teams allowing 10 yards per pass attempt, Ralph. No surprise. We've seen over money between the Giants and the Redskins. Yeah, I. you know, I'm sort of surprised, you know, because, listen, the new quarterbacks went 4-0 and last week. Right. Pittsburgh covered uh, Carolina covered the Giants covered and I'm missing one. Excuse me. Oh, Minshew, I guess if you if no. Yeah. If you had him in the mix. But remember, after week one, you don't know what the quarterback's tendencies are. You now have film on Daniel Jones. Then you take Saquon Barkley out of the mix. You can shut down their run game and you could focus on Daniel Jones. I'm surprised this total has climbed like it is. I actually lean the other way. All right. Huh? So we're seeing Seattle getting early week market love at Arizona. And I just talked about how bad the Giants defense statistics are. And I talked about how bad the Redskins defense statistics are. And but I mean, we're talking bad. Well, Arizona's D, every bit as bad as those two money pouring in on Seattle off a loss, despite the fact that this has been a very competitive series. We haven't seen Seattle blowing out Arizona in the last three years. Not even close. Yeah, well, the Seahawks are 13-4-1 against the spread coming off a home loss. And you look at what the offense has done, 900 yards the last two weeks. Uh, I, I think this makes sense. And I think people realize that Arizona was a lot of hype early. Yeah, they moved the ball in a few situations, but they're still going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, the, the Cardinals defense was Pretty bad last week. Mark's expecting more uh, of the same with that Seahawks money. Sunday night football. We're seeing money for the Saints and money for the over. 
They like Teddy Bridgewater, Dallas, from three, off of three, down to two and a half in many locations. Well, are there are there two more disparate strength of schedule games? You know, you look at you look at the Cowboys and who they've played. Uh, basically, nobody. And then you look at New Orleans; they faced Houston, a playoff team potentially, at the Rams, at Seattle. So, I, I just think strength of schedule is such an important play in this game. Yeah, it certainly is. And the Saints getting some market support. All that being said, Teddy Bridgewater was not tested. Uh, last week, he's likely to be tested here against a pretty good defense. But as you mentioned, Dallas has faced three of the five worst teams in the NFL through the first three weeks. Their stats certainly misleading, although offensively, they're getting 7.4 yards per play. The Hokies, Virginia Tech, up to minus three against Duke. I'll tell you this, not with my money. <laughs> uh, what do they see on Virginia Tech? I'm not buying it. Is it a revenge angle? Is it that the Hokies are supposed to be good? I haven't seen anything from Virginia Tech that shows me bet on, yet they're betting them against Duke. You know what, Teddy? You and I are in this business. You and I study line moves. You and I analyze the moves. And there's times you or me, neither one has an answer. I have no idea why this line is like it is. Virginia Tech outgained Old Dominion at home by 79 yards. Virginia Tech outgained Furman at home by 119 yards. I agree with you. Don't understand the move. Well, you, you got if you don't know which side of that game Ralph and I like, you're not paying attention. Duke Plus will be back with big game breakdowns right here on Wager Talk on the Sports Grand TV Network. Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Put your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening a sports wagering account with FanDuel, New Jersey's largest sports book. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid where you'll receive a free bet of up to $500. That's a free bet of up to 500 bucks. When you open a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com slash grid. Point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, in-game wagering on college and pro sports, and you're in control. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid. Open your new account and claim your free wager of up to $500 today. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over. New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website. For details. So, Ralph, I got to say, during the break, I was looking at Twitter and this story about the guy that hit the that supposedly lost a half million dollars on an 89 cent parlay uh, because the Redskins didn't win straight up. It's getting some play. And from all indications, it's a bogus story. No one's seen the ticket. No one who had a half million dollars in play for Monday Night Football on the Redskins money line would be watching that game without some kind of a hedge on the other side. And yet the mainstream media picks up on this stuff off of Twitter with no with no authentication whatsoever. It's a fake story. And it baffles me that this is what has come, what, what's been coming to like the mainstream media. There's no fact check at all on any of this stuff. Watch Sports Grid, guys. What's your take, Ralph, on the 89 cent parlay supposedly playing out a half million bucks with the Redskins money line? 
Yeah, again, I, I agree with you, Teddy. You know, you're betting an 89 cent bet. And, you know, I don't even know if the sports book takes an 89 cent bet. But, you know, if they do, uh, there's plenty of ways to hedge. You'd be hedging at least half of that bet or a great portion of it. And if you say, well, I don't have any money, there are so many different options out there. You know, uh, you know, we, we talk about there's companies here that buy a ticket and sell it to someone else. And you, you clearly can make the money. And it is disappointing that you know, at least the mainstream media is now starting to pay attention to gambling stories. But again, it's all new to them. And they're they're just like young new kids looking at these stories, thinking they're so believable. And it's a get rich quick scheme. It's not. It's a lot of hard work. There are some people that hit big parlays, but it is unfortunate. Those stories get the steam. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating to me that there's no fact check. You know, is that someone tweets something out and now next thing you know, major media outlets that I'm not going to name uh, are reporting the story as if it's fact off of somebody's stupid tweet. Um, that's not the way sports betting works. Hopefully you watch Sports Grid every day and we will give you accurate info day in, day out the best of our ability. Let's start with some accurate info on Air Force and San Jose State Friday night football. San Jose State pulled the, uh, as big a shocker as I've seen. All year in college football last week to win that game straight up at Arkansas. Sure, it speaks about Arkansas, but Josh Love threw for 402 yards. Is this a letdown spot against Air Force? Last time San Jose faced a team that plays a triple option attack was 2016. They lost that game 52 to three at home against Army. What's your take? Falcons versus the Spartans in Mountain West Conference action on Friday night. Well, Teddy, you know I have to go to the database, you know, after that upset win. And what does the database tell us? Well, college football teams that pulled an upset as a dog of 17 points or more on the road, like San Jose, are 18, 36, and 1 against the spread, only 33.3%. Add that to playing back-to-back games, a short week to prep for the option, a rush attack that uh, that it played okay. I mean, their numbers are okay, but their numbers are misleading because Arkansas threw the ball so much. And the reason they won that game is they were plus four turnovers. Almost anyone's going to pull an upset plus four turnovers. So to me, it wasn't a let's line up, play the game even, and we beat you. It's we got handed a gift plus four turnovers, and I do look for the letdown this week. Uh, so markets are saying that Air Force is very live to cover this number. Ralph certainly doesn't disagree with that assessment. Another game on Friday night, Cal against Arizona State. We've seen a little bit of Sun Devils money. We're sitting at five, five and a half yesterday. Now we're down to four and a half on Arizona State. Total of 40 Sun Devils coming off their first loss of the season at home against Colorado. But you want to talk about a team that's been feisty and competitive on the road under Herm Edwards. Arizona State has been in every single road game, seven losing by seven points or less or winning straight up. Of course, they lose this one by seven. They're not going to cover. Cal off the big win at Old Miss, the controversial win at the end. Can they do it again and win by Martin uh, by margin over Herm Edwards squad? Well, it took Justin Wilcox an extra year. Remember last year, everyone was so high on this Cal team. And and again, this defense is a legitimate top 15 defense. It returns seven starters back. You look at uh, 
you know, what they allowed the old Miss, but they had the lead in the old Miss game. And again, we've talked about misleading box scores because of garbage yards late in the game. I, I, I'm not sure what to make of Arizona State, to be honest with you. They let me down last week against Colorado, allowing 475 yards. The Buffs moved the ball at will. The Arizona State defense that I thought was going to be much improved allowed 400 yards to a Michigan State team that was struggling, and then 475 yards to Colorado. I think the Bears get enough confidence off the win. I don't think they think, wow, this is a huge upset. They're now in the AP 15 for a multiple week. Uh, I actually I actually lean with Cal here, and I think their defense, uh, again, you got to remember Jaden Daniels for Arizona State, a true freshman. He went to Michigan State. They had 216 first downs, 216 yards, 14 first downs. And scored 10 points. I look for close to that same performance against Cal. Also lean with the under. Worth noting that in their last nine tries as home chalk, the Cal Bears have covered a grand total of twice. They have not been good in this role. If you're looking at series history, this point spread stands out. If you're looking at 2019 results, this point spread might look cheap. Wisconsin getting bet up now minus 24 and a half total of 46 against the Northwestern team that's beaten them three times in the last five years. Both losses coming by two touchdowns or less. But the Badgers have looked special through first the uh, first month of the season. The Wildcats have not. You asked me at the beginning of the year, uh, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to take Northwestern and get over three touchdowns, I'm going to tell you I'm going to be on them 99 out of 100 times. But uh, again, just on the eye test, so much hype for Hunter Johnson, the, you know, the transfer from Clemson, the five star recruit after T.J. Green went out against Stanford in the opener. He's completing 48 percent. He has a one four ratio. He he looks afraid in the pocket. This Wisconsin D completely, again, you've played USF, you've played Central Michigan, you've played Michigan. So it's not like you can't say you've played anyone. Well, you're out gaining foes by 276 yards per game. You're allowing nine first downs per game. Uh, I never thought I'd be fading Northwestern in the spot. I will potentially have a play on Wisconsin. And Wisconsin in revenge for a straight-up loss at Northwestern last year. Oklahoma, minus 27, total 70 and a half against Texas Tech. The Red Raiders have quarterback injuries again. Bowman is out with a soldier injury, and the markets do not trust the Red Raiders defense, a defense that got torched against the only decent foe they faced in Arizona. Uh, Give up 314 rushing yards in that ballgame. <laughs> what does Jalen Hurts and the Sooners do against a Red Raiders defense, especially when their car or when their starting quarterback is hurt. You know, I'm not going to base a play on this, but I, I have another system I looked up, you know, on this game. And it went back to reading what some coaches said about, uh, you know, early season buys and some coaches like them and some coaches don't. But in, in game number four, so if you're in your fourth game and you're off a buy like Oklahoma is, Home favorites of 17 or more off a win have gone 23 and 8, 74 to 74.2%. That applies to both Oklahoma and Iowa. So you have a rested team, you have a hungry team, you have an Oklahoma team that 
you know, only has Kansas on deck. That means a little bit more now with their one win, with their couple wins this year and with less miles there. But again, it's not as if, though, you have Texas or a main rival on deck. And it's a situation where you're catching Texas Tech now uh, against a defense and an offense that I don't think they can keep pace with. We just talked about Wisconsin minus 24 and a half and Oklahoma minus 27. Lots of big point spreads in some of the marquee TV matchups this weekend. And that includes this next one, Texas A&M minus 23, total of 58 against Arkansas. Do the Razorbacks come out mad because they lost last week to San Jose State? Or is this team just garbage right now? Does A&M let down? Off the big, uh, off the loss to Auburn, or is this a game where they're angry <laughs> and then they want to beat somebody up? What's your take, Aggies and Hogs? Texas A&M minus twenty-three. Uh, well, again, I mean, this is so bizarre. We're we're talking about three teams that are three touchdown favorites, and I'm going to lean with the favorite in all three. But that's just because I can't play Arkansas. You know, coming off the San Jose State loss you are now you have two losses this is chad morris's second season your only wins on the year your only wins as a head coach are eastern illinois tulsa and then this year you beat portland state and colorado state and i guess if you want to know if jimbo fisher what he's going to do well they, they lost to clemson week two or game number two they came out and they beat lamar 62 to three and they kept scoring in the fourth quarter so if he's got the opportunity this is a big game being in jerry world in dallas the kids love playing in cowboy stadium sure so don't expect any kind of a letdown from the Yankees in this one arkansas not a team that ralph or i want to put our money on when we come back we'll talk nfl right here on wait Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to Wager Talk. Teddy Covers and Ralph Michaels. We're about to break down the NFL for this coming Sunday, so stay tuned. We're going to go nuts right here, right now. We're going to start with the first game on the card, the Texans and the Panthers. Houston. Minus four, total of 47. We've seen this total rise, and we've seen the side come down. So the markets are telling us that what we saw last week from Carolina's young QB is not something that was an aberration. And they're saying that Carolina is capable of moving the football, even against the Texans' stout defense. Of course, Houston struggled on the football so far, but their passing game remains dynamic. And last week, Deshaun Watson finally broke his streak of being sacked in four more times in eight straight games, or was it nine? Anyhow, he only got sacked twice last week, and lo and behold, the Texans won and covered. You know, two notes, Teddy, before we actually get to this game. Number one, I mean, everyone knows Murray was drafted number one. But let's go back to Texas A&M. And remember, Murray could not beat Allen out at Texas A&M, and that's why he transferred. So this Allen kid already beat Murray out once. He is an NFL-capable quarterback. With that said, 
We talked about this last week as well. We talked about the injury system. Losing a quarterback and, and your backup quarterback steps up. The opposition doesn't have film on them. They don't know their tendencies. Well, what happened? Allen wins at Arizona. Pittsburgh covers at San Francisco. I'm missing the third one who also covered. Um, but now... The defense has a week of film on uh, on Allen. They know his tendencies. They know which way he's going to step when he gets a little pressure. And that's a big deal, facing someone after you have film on him. So with that said, you know, I, I look at Houston, and, and I, I like that the defense has got going. We talked about J.J. Watt struggling early. We talked about, well, of course he's struggling. He's missing Clowney on the other side, and he's getting double or triple teamed. He got a couple sacks. Houston has nine sacks over the past two weeks. So I think this week... Allen's going to get so much more pressure than he's accustomed to. And again, for that reason, I think it's going to be a run-heavy game for them, and I'm looking for a lower-scoring game. Your thoughts on this game, Teddy? Well, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see the Texans be the class in this contest. I agree with your assessment 100% about Allen and what he faced last week compared to what he's going to face this week. And that Texas defense, they've looked good. In every game uh, so far, there were a couple of struggles in the opener. Uh, but again, when you're facing New Orleans, that's <laughs> that, that New Orleans with Drew Brees, that can and does happen. So uh, I agree with the move towards the over in this contest a little bit, only because I don't think either team's going to be able to run the football effectively, which means this could be the type of game we have 60, 70, even 80 pass attempts between the two teams combined. That's always good for overbetters. Well, we talked about this next game on line movers. The Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns is lined up now to seven, a total of 45 and a half. Again, both cornerbacks questionable for the Browns. We know what Baltimore has faced on defense. Uh, if you're an OC and a quarterback and you could pick your first three defenses in the NFL, well, Miami, Arizona, and KC would be probably three of the top four picks for most people. But can the Ravens now switch gears and win and cover as a favorite to take complete command of the AFC North? I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, I mean, my, my take on this game is Cleveland or pass. Let's start with this, is that I'm not a Ravens believer, Okay. I understand how good Lamar Jackson has looked against those three bottom-tier defenses. Say what you want about the Browns. Even with every member of their starting secondary out last week, they held the Rams to 20 points, and their defense was as good as any unit on the field. So I'm a believer in Cleveland's defense, even with some of the injuries in the secondary. Um, and I'm not a believer that Baltimore's done it, that, that the Ravens have actually done anything yet. So from a market standpoint, Here's Baltimore with the blowout win. And, oh, look, they hung tough against KC last week. The Ravens' defensive numbers, they're number 26 against the pass. I know they placed the Chiefs last, but they played the Chiefs last week. The defense wasn't good against uh, Kyler Murray the week before. Um, no, I won't lay this with Baltimore. The problem, of course, is Baker Mayfield right now. And that's, I mean, it's a legit problem. Mayfield looked lost in week one. He looked lost in week two. He looked lost in week three. Against the Rams, Wade Phillips was so in his head that facing a three-man rush where he could easily run up the middle over and over again, Mayfield was rolling out to the right, shortening his field. He looked like a rookie. 
And he's looked like a, a rookie the last few weeks. And that concerns me even against Baltimore's spotty pass defense. But it's a one-way game for me. Cleveland or pass, this may well be the spot. The Browns get back on track. I will say this about the Browns and the O-line against the Rams. There's no there's no D-line in the league like the Rams because Aaron Donald can get pressure in the middle where 90% of the rest of the league pressures from the, the defensive ends on the outside. Aaron Donald is such a disruptor in the middle that your quarterback cannot step up into the pocket. So it changes completely how he has to throw the ball. Second note on my hometown Cleveland Browns. I think Freddie Kitchens is weighing over his head. Listen, he became an interim OC eight or nine games into the season. He had never been an OC. Then he gets the head coaching job. And what does he do? He names himself his same OC and calls the plays. So handling the head coaching duties and the OC duties, again, I just think that's McVay pulled it off, but he's something special. I think that's the reason the Browns offense has struggled as well. Well, let's move to the NFC East, the New York football giants and the Washington Redskins uh, went to my database, pulled out a quick number. NFL teams that were on the road and won the previous week, having to come back from a halftime deficit of 10 points or more, like the New York Giants and like the Houston Texans, have gone 7-13-1 and and against the spread since 2012. So not an overwhelming number, not something that's going to change your mind, but just some more information for our listeners. Teddy, your take on the Giants and the Skins. Well, I know this much. I can't lay points with the Giants. Can't do it. Giants, catch with them last week in Tampa as a dog. This is a defense that can't be trusted to get stops. And if you're laying a field goal plus in the NFL, you're going to have to get that stop in the fourth quarter to get to, to get your point spread cover. I don't trust the Giants defense to do that. Their, their past defense has been absolutely atrocious. All that being said, the Redskins defense is every bit as bad. I mean, maybe worse in some sense, because whenever an opposing team has gone on a run against Washington, it's been three or four touchdowns back to back to back to back, just like what the Bears did on Monday night, where all of a sudden, you know, all right, the, the, the pick six makes it seven nothing. And then blink, 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 it's 28 nothing. That's the way it was against Philly in week one. That's the way it was in Dallas in week two. I don't trust either defense to get stopped. So I'm not going to lay points with anyone in this game. I like the over. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, but the markets have already moved there. 49, even 49 and a half popping up. If you're looking at the over now, you're getting three points the worst of it. That's not the way to make money betting the NFL. The Indianapolis Colts are hosting the Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raiders aren't back at home till I think November 6th, playing five games away from home, a game at London, having a bye. And I look at Oakland and I break them down as this. On the road, their defense is just horrendous. They've gone 2-14 and 14 straight up. 3-12-1 ATS went away from home. And their defense is allowing 30.6 points per game. Your take on the Colts and the Raiders. Well, I mean, when you look at these Oakland defensive stats, I mean, they're they're pretty bad against the pass. Let's just put it that way. And some of that has to do with the fact they face Patrick Mahomes. Anyone that faces Mahomes is going to have some dicey uh, pass numbers. But it was every bit as bad uh, last week. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. 
I get it. There's a lot of market disrespect for Oakland. There really is. Um, it's a West Coast team traveling East for an early start game. The markets do not like John Gruden. You know, unfrozen caveman lawyer uh, is the old uh, nickname that uh, he's gotten here in Vegas amongst uh, the guys that I hang out with. You know, they think his game is from, you know, the 1990s and not suitable for the modern game. You know, uh, from a roster standpoint, they're very young. Uh, you know, Oakland is in the in a transition era, obviously moving out of Oakland to Las Vegas next year. Nobody likes the Raiders. But <laughs> I'm telling you, they've been better than the final scores would indicate in each of the last two weeks. The offensive line's been good. Cars throwing the football effectively. There are some things that I've seen as buy signs on Oakland of late. And the Colts are not a team I'm excited about laying a touchdown with. Indy's playing up or down a level of competition. I'm happy taking points with the Colts. Don't ask them to win this game by eight points or more. I don't. Not one I'm likely to get involved with. Well, you know, I, I jumped over a game, Teddy, and maybe it was because it was the Miami Dolphins that I wasn't thinking they were a real NFL team. Here's the numbers for Dolphins backers. The Miami Dolphins have scored 16 points. The Miami Dolphins have allowed 18 touchdowns. Is there any way you can back Miami with the Chargers coming to town? I'm going to give you some Dolphin stats right here, okay? From a yards per play standpoint, three weeks in, Miami has been outgained by three and a half yards per snap. Okay, I've been in Vegas since 1998. I never seen an NFL team getting outgained by three and a half yards per snap, even through a three-game sample size. Never happened. Rushing, Miami's averaging 2.6 yards per carry. They're giving up 5.4. Passing. Dolphins QB rating 44.7, opponents QB rating 139.4. That's a negative 94.4 net differential. That's the highest I've ever seen in all my years in Las Vegas. I genuinely think Miami is the worst NFL team I've ever seen. I genuinely think that. They're rebuilding teams. They're rebuilding teams that trade off guys. I don't know that any rebuilding team with a rookie head coach and rookie coordinators and uh, rookie court, you know, I know Rosen's not a true rookie. He's a rookie, uh, rookie quarterback and rookie offensive line and a defense that's hope. Miami's hopeless. OK, I found a, a price I was willing to buy Miami last week at plus 23 and it wasn't high enough. They were that bad. They didn't deserve to cover the game and Dallas didn't even care. So the Chargers care. Uh, then being said, the Chargers aren't very good necessarily. Uh, they've been a disappointment and. So, and I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but something feels wrong in L.A. They're not a team I'm excited about laying this price with, but I want no part of Miami. And let's not forget the Dolphins, a team with a zero-point home field advantage. You know, maybe give them one if you want because the opposing team has to travel, but don't give them three points for home field. It's not worth that. The Chargers have started five straight seasons being one and two or 0 oh and three, so they're accustomed to being here. Teddy, in under a minute. The KC Chiefs laying six and a half to the Detroit Lions, a total of 54. This is Mahomes' first dome game. Does that make a difference? I mean, it's, it's not going to affect my handicap in any significant way. Darius Slay is going to affect my handicap in a significant way. Be aware of the Lions' injury report this week. Multiple defensive starters are still sitting at questionable today. And that includes 
their shutdown Pro Bowl cornerback in Darius Slate, who has to play if the Lions have any chance in this game. Love the quote from Detroit earlier in the week at Matthew Stafford after they won on Sunday. Detroit hasn't lost yet this year, and Stafford's like, we haven't even played a good game yet. Wait till we start playing good. <laughs> Not one I'm likely to get involved with on Sunday. Lions and the Chiefs. When we come back, we're going to tell you the truth about betting the future book right here on Wager Talk. You do not want to miss this segment. Take Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. We're here in the home stretch for Wager Talk. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Eddie underscore covers. You can follow Ralph on Twitter at Cal Sports LV. You can follow the Sports Grid Network on Twitter at Sports Grid. And be sure to download that Sports Grid app if you haven't done so already. We can get all of this content on demand to fit your schedule at Sports Grid, at Cal Sports LV, at Teddy underscore covers. I want to talk here, Ralph, and I'm going to shut you. I'm cutting you off. You've said too much already. I want to talk about the truth about the future book. When you walk into any casino in Las Vegas, you're going to see the odds for the game, or New Jersey or Pennsylvania for that matter, doesn't matter where you are, Indiana, Iowa. You walk into any sports book in the United States, you're going to see today's games, you're going to see the odds there. You will see the future book odds prominently displayed in every sports book all the time. You'll see the odds to win the Super Bowl all summer long, odds to win the national championship, odds to win the Masters, odds to win whatever. The sports books love it when suckers come in and make these bets. Why? Because the house takeout isn't 11 to 10. You're not laying 11 to win 10. You're in many circumstances laying 15 to win 10, 16, 17, 20. There's an enormous amount of house takeout. Then there's the other factor. Okay. One team's going to win the World Series. Only one. The other 29 teams are going to lose. One team's going to win the Super Bowl. The other 31 teams are going to lose. One team's going to win the national title in college football. The other 129 teams are going to lose. You don't have enough. (laughs) There's not enough winners when you're talking about that type of a future book. And that is why we always talk about win totals and odds to win divisions and odds to win smaller things, not odds to win at all. That, folks, is a sucker bet. It's a bad bet. I encourage you not to make it. That's why we spent yesterday's show talking about odds to win conferences in college football, not odds to win at all. When it comes to odds to win at all, there's only a handful of teams that are capable of doing it. And frankly, they're all priced right. They're all priced too low. That's my take on the I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you watching. I hope you enjoyed our time with Ralph and I today. We'll do it again tomorrow right here on the Sports Grid TV Network. Thanks for watching Wager Talk. Enjoy the game.